What do you get when you combine Fight Club, Marley and Me, the Naked Brothers Band, and John Wick with the Enigma himself? The best movie we've covered on this podcast so far? We'll have to wait and see. Guys, welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, the show that's more broke than a college kid trying to live off McChickens and Four Locos. I'm your host, Max Steele, and as always, if he were a restaurant, he would be a gas station olive garden outside of Omaha. That is my wonderful co-host, Michael Flaherty. Mike, what's up? I, you know what? I've always, you know, it's, it's all of the, all of the, uh, I have, I have all of the wrong ethnic, ethnic qualities and stereotypes of Italians and all of the ratchetness of rural Omaha, Nebraska. So I feel like this is like the best description of me. Like there's a lot of, it's a lot of hand motions when I talk. And a lot of burst capillaries and sweatiness with me. So it's just, it, yeah, that's just, you know, that's one of the most apt descriptions I've ever heard of me. I got to be honest. When you describe the hand motions and talking with your hands and burst capillaries and sweat, I'm like, is he talking about me? <laughs> exactly. It's like, you're like, either he's talking about, talking about someone who works behind a deli counter or me. <laughs> so guys, like we, like I said earlier, we might be covering I think we this is so far would you say that this is the best movie that we've <laughs> covered on Messed Up at Midnight that is we're talking about Pig Yeah exactly we're talking about the 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 the, the Nick Cage actual honest to god hit movie mm-hmm. which is which is Pig it's I would honestly say well the only other one that we have next to it in terms of genuine quality is Nacho Libre. So I would say it's pretty it's not exactly stiff competition. I would say it's kind of Nacho Libre or this. So yeah, I would, say, like, I would with, say pig. And I would say with Nacho Libre, I mean that one's just nostalgic. We're able to like riff off of it really well, but mm-hmm. like this movie Pig is is actually like genuinely a good well put together movie with yeah. deep underlying themes and interesting characters yeah this is you know what this is the one time i i will sit there and openly like like obviously the master of midnight podcast doesn't care about spoilers mm-hmm. obviously that being said this is the one time before we start i genuinely care about this movie and i know max does as well mm-hmm. if you guys have any interest in watching this movie and you should watch it and then 100%. circle back to this circle back and download this obviously we're not animals but watch it first we highly recommend it this movie actually actually was really impressive and and like some of the movies that we've covered where you would get together and watch it with your friends and knock back a drink this is a movie where you need to watch it by yourself pour yourself like a night like get a nice beer a nice whiskey and just sit back and just enjoy it because again this mm-hmm. is a very very well put together movie and there was actually some things that i learned while researching for this movie oh first uh hats off to the editors because <laughs> apparently they had to cut almost one hour from this movie before it was released what they one- cut an hour mm-hmm Oh yeah! Oh like, my god! And that is, and as a guy who's done some editing myself, I cannot imagine how hard and how stressful that was. Just sitting there trying to figure out what do we need to keep for our story 
to make sense and still be interesting. Dude, dude, those guys had the monumental task of tightening up what felt like a really tight movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my lord. These guys had to these guys cut an hour's worth of Jesus Christ. Okay, wow. Yeah, hats off to those guys. Those guys were really put in the fucking hours. And another thing I learned was that the budget for this movie was apparently so small they couldn't hire an already trained pig. So they had three days to take this pig that I I, I don't know where they found it from, but they had three days to train it before filming. <laughs> they literally sat, they literally brought Nick Cage in and they went, you're going to have to get really used to this pig, okay? So... So you're gonna need to learn to train it. And he's like, all right, I can do this. Just a lot of YouTube YouTube and apples. I think he actually got bit by the pig too at at some point when they were filming. I believe that. I believe that. Pigs are unruly motherfuckers. (laughs) Which one of the things they tell you when working in films is like, don't work with kids and don't work with animals. Oh yeah. (laughs) If you're already having to like, if your budget is already so shoestring tight, why the fuck did you decide to include a pig? Well, I guess it is, you know, called pig. So it'd be a little, I don't know, a little weird if there wasn't a pig it's, in it. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like your hands are kind of tied when mm. the whole premise involves a pig. It's kind of hard. It's kind of like, it's kind of like having like, like Alien, the movie, mm. not involve an alien. Like you're kind of like, it's, I get it. <laughs> like the budget is tight. However, you do need to show something. Like, <laughs> you need to work with me a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. If now we're gonna get to the million dollar question, and I am curious to see what you have to say about this one in mm-hmm, particular, because mm-hmm. again, first, honest to god, good movie that we've talked about on this podcast. <laughs> if this movie were a drink, Mike, what would it be, and why? See, see, initially when I watched this movie, first reflex is like this isn't a cocktail. This isn't a cocktail. That's in my brain. In my brain. My brain was like, this guy is a mountain man out in rural Oregon. He is he is a man of the land, a man of simplicity. It's over in Oregon and given the movie's themes, I was like, you know, what would really fit this. Mead. The OG. The o- the OG alcohol, the first fucking like alcoholic thing that was made mm-hmm. when you just bring honey and water and let that shit sit for long enough. You got yourself some mead mm-hmm. and I could totally see this movie being like a contemporary mead mm-hmm. being like a mead that's made with lavender and elderflower and stuff like that and really mm-hmm. made in like a very specific way that would work in like. One of those rustic contemporary restaurants, one place that would look like it would it was uh, in like some old meat factory mm-hmm. in some gentrified part of town mm-hmm. where like someone probably sold crack out of in the early 90s. Like, like a it's, culinary mead. Absolutely. Like one of those like it'd be it'd be served in one of those super four star like crazy expensive restaurants. And that would be like their like star cocktail drink or star drink. Like they would have this really expensive mead. And I feel like that's what this movie is. It's just a really, really good, a uh, good mead with some really mm-hmm. expensive, like 
accoutrements to it. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, originally, I thought like you know, if you were saying mead, I would go to the Wicker Man because you know bees and honey, you know, oh, yeah, exactly. Nick fucking beige. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's I'm gonna let that one simmer. I'm gonna think about that one, and you know, I'll get back to you. Maybe not today, but at some point, I'm gonna get back. Yeah, to exactly. You. I need to think. I need to let this one sit. Yeah. So, as we've established throughout this whole Nick Cage month, if Nick Cage were an alcohol, he'd be absent. But mm-hmm. with this movie, I feel like, you know, because, you know, when we say Nick Cage, we're typically talking about like, you know, the Nick Cage isms, you know, he's got the big scene. Like, how did it get burned and do, saying the alphabet yeah. and, and you know, screams, not the bees and singing the hokey pokey while he's destroying a pool table like that. That's what you think of. But this movie like has a microcosm of that. It's very, very much more subdued. I can maybe Mm -hmm. think of one time in this movie where we get like a Nick Cage, like bursting out and yelling at people. I'm like, yeah, there he is. You're like, there's the man I know. (laughs) So keep that in mind. Okay. Now this is a serious movie that deals with complex characters and themes of Greek. I see. Sorry. Themes of grief. Sorry. I'm, Mm -hmm. I got Greek food on my mind, I guess. Um, You're waiting for me. (laughs) So, I don't see this being like a gin and tonic with berries, like with Sarah T or like a cheap slime jello shot like in Zoom. But, you know, the movie did give me something and we have this pig. And with this movie having like an overarching topic of food and five and fine dining, I really feel like I need to pick something fancy. So taking all of that and putting it in mind, I present the Nick Cage Maple Bacon Manhattan. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 interested. I'm interested. <laughs> so before you even make the drink, what you gotta do is you gotta perform an absinthe rinse with your glass of choice. Just okay. enough so like, you know, the smell and the taste is kind of like ever so mm-hmm. slightly there. You can go on the internet yeah. and look up how to do this. Just a hint, yeah. Just 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 a hint, because it's still there. It's still there. I want to make that clear. You get two ounces of bacon-infused bullet rye whiskey. You can look this up. There is a way that you can like infuse bacon with your liquor. Okay. And okay. you can do this at home. I'm not suggesting that you do, because you know, if you <laughs> mess it up, I'm not I don't want to be liable. That's yeah, that exactly. is I'm just telling you what this is for comedic purposes. <laughs> Max Steele said I should drink bacon liquor and I got sick. <laughs> Like, nope, not me, not me. <laughs> so two ounces of bacon-infused bullet rye whiskey, uh, half an ounce of sweet vermouth, a quarter ounce of maple syrup, mm-hmm. throw some Agostura bitters, and serve with a side of bacon and depression. And you got yourself this cocktail. I was about to say, it's like, you serve it with a side of Kalanapin and some bacon. <laughs> Just, ooh, real, real nice. Actually, that, sound, that does sound kind of interesting. I would actually, that's one of those, that's one of the few cocktails that was ever concocted on this godforsaken podcast that I sat there and just gone, you know what it may be? Actually, that, oh, it doesn't sound too bad. No, next time we do a, a drink tasting, we're going to be like, you know what? We're definitely going to do this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the next time the next time a drink tasting comes out, we're just like, oh, yeah, absolutely. This one. So we're like, we need something to enjoy instead of just barf. Instead of just beer and milk. 
that shit's still sitting in my stomach guys <laughs> i was about to say yeah that's that's my stomach is still doing backflips <laughs> so guys we're going to be talking about pig crack open a nice whiskey or go get a six pack of beer that costs more than seven dollars and we're going to be talking about pig we start off on a quiet opening which is a bit different than what we've had in Nick Cage month. It's very quiet. We get some scenes of a river. There is a rising sound. And then there's a smooth transition to Nick Cage standing by a river with a fire next to him. And just based off of these like opening shots, I'm immediately intrigued. I'm like, okay, yeah. what's what's going Ex- on here? Exactly. It's it's see again, it, it, <laughs> the mess of a midnight podcast has burned themselves so often and so regularly that like the second we get a modicum of like something semi worthwhile, we're like, oh, I'm here for it. And like we're even we're treating ourselves even harder by having this be like really good because this opening scene like I don't have the knowledge or chops to really like break down why it's fantastic. But it's mm-hmm. so quiet and so pretty, and it just opens up. And just the entire time, you're just looking at it, just going, "Oh yeah, no, this is, uh, this is a film. This is not. This isn't a movie. I'm not grabbing popcorn. This is a film. I will. Mm-hmm. I will ingest." I c- I couldn't have said it better myself. There is a distinct difference between a movie and a film. We've been mm-hmm. covering mainly movies. This is going <laughs> to that category of film, and it's yeah. something about like the quiet river going by and then the shot where there's oh. nick where there's a guy standing on the on the riverbed we don't know who it is just yet we don't have a close-up we see a like fire burning in the background everything is like gray and dreary but there's something about that that just kind of that brings you in so when mm-hmm. we do finally see nick cage he is returning to his this cabin in the woods he whistles and then his pet pig comes to him Hence, you know, the title of the movie Pig. But yeah. I'm kind of they could have chosen literally any other animal, <laughs> but instead they chose like a pig. And I'm just like, what well, if Nick Cage were to actually do this, what weird animal do you think he would do it with? Yeah. He has like like he's in the rural mountains of Oregon <laughs> and he picks a cockatiel <laughs> or a macaw. Like it's just some type completely- of bird. <laughs> Yeah, this makes no sense. Like, no, no. See, no, it just, see, initially, like, you just see him, like, just pull out a pig. And, like, you, like, if you go in knowing nothing about the movie, you're initially like, the fuck are you doing with a pig? And then the movie's like, the movie sits there and, like, quietly, like, pats you on the shoulder and goes, we'll explain it. Just wait. Just wait. We we trust that you're smart enough to follow this movie. They're like, okay, okay. No, I want to see Nick Cage with a truffle hunting like alligator. I was about to say he has a he has a crocodile or like or like a he has a diamond diamond back or a diamond head. He's got just like just slithers. He's got a fish he keeps in a bowl as he's walking through the I was about to say he literally all he does is like pick up, pull the carp out of like a go bag full of water and he just hucks it like a football and just the fish will flop to a truffle and he like runs and grabs it. Instead of pig, we're gonna be making cod. <laughs> it's it's just salmon. No, it doesn't roll off. Cod actually kind of does roll off the tongue. Tilapia and salmon, I'm not sure. 
Arizona red tuna. I don't even know if that's a real fish or anything. It just <laughs> rockfish. <laughs> We're not just going to sit here and just keep naming fish, guys. We're actually going to be talking about the movie. We promise. Eventually, eventually, we're going to get to it. Oh my! And when, God. and when we do first see Nick Cage, immediately, what I thought was, is that me in like twenty years? <laughs> no no he looks like no he looks like you in your like mid 40s and like just if you like got trapped in like a mining in a, in a mining cave in a spelunking accident like you like I, I like i just looked at that and i just thought of you if you were like if you and like three buddies just like went spelunking in a cave got trapped and you crawled out like two years later <laughs> that's that's the look. That's that's your look. You know, I've never gone splunking before, but now that you mentioned that, I probably never will. I mean, look, I went spelunking once, and I went, oh, that's fun. Maybe I should do it again. And then I watched The Descent, and then oh, I went, nope, I'm nope, not nope. doing that. I'm not spelunking. Spelunking's not for me. <laughs> Another good movie that I'm down to talk about. I love I love The Descent. But we're, not, we're not here to talk about The Descent. We're here to talk about Pig or Gecko. I just want to see Nick Cage just taking different animals just out in the woods hunting with them. Iguana. <laughs> Iguana. <laughs> so we find out that this pig is a trained truffle hunter. Now, how you do that, I have no idea, but Nick Cage is way smarter than I am. So they come back and we basically get like a, a day in the life where Nick Cage goes out with this truffle hunting pig. He finds him. He comes back. He sits in his cabin. He he just he just he just loves that pig. That's like that's like his that's like his dog from John Wick. That's like mm-hmm. the dog in Marley and me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So after this, we meet Amir, a city boy who doubles by drumming in a band with his brother. And that is, of course, the Naked Brothers band. I was not expecting to see Alex Wolf in this movie. Wait, what? You didn't. Wait, oh wait, oh is that you're not you're not making a joke? I'm, that guy actually that, was in That guy is was actually in the Naked no. Brothers band. <laughs> you're I don't know if this is a bit or not. Are it's you not, are you I, I'm dead I'm dead serious. This guy was the drummer in the Naked Brothers band. If anyone remembers that the old TV show from the from 2007 to 2009 I just knew him as the kid from Hereditary. Jesus Christ. He's the, he's the same guy. Wow. <laughs> All right. That's new. That's new. I got to be honest. Didn't, didn't, didn't expect to see his ass here, but wow. All right. I feel like Hell yeah. There, there's a certain like a bit running through this, ep- running through this podcast where it's like, I'll tell you something. And you're just like, wait, what? Really? What? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I just don't expect it. It's not just, hey, this person, remember he was in this obscure thing from you, from your childhood? And I'm like, oh, wait, really? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just so weird out of left field every time. Every time I'm always sidelined with it. Like, I don't expect it. You know, looking at um, Alex Wolf and Nick Cage here, literally the first thought I had was like, oh, look, it's me and Mike. Yeah, I'm just right there. Exactly. I've always been a five foot, five, five foot eight, five foot eight 
brown-skinned man driving a Camaro. That's always been me. I'm talking about the style, you know. Oh, the style. Okay, the general like the, aura. Like, the, like the, like you know, yeah, the aura that you get from seeing Nick Cage and the dude from Naked Brothers Band standing in a standing in the woods together. I was about to say one. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it now. I get what you're saying now. Yeah, exactly. It's just. I look, yeah, I look, I look, I, I give off that vibe. I can, I can get with that. I can get behind that. So he's selling these truffles to Amir, who is clearly like, he's an inexperienced supplier of like, you know, luxury restaurant food. And it, you know, it's, I'm like, okay, so we're, so we're building upon the relationships that Cage has. But then we get, instead of looking, you know, doing the stereotypical thing, like, we're gonna be. T- I feel like we're gonna be talking about John Wick a lot throughout this movie, but you know, mm-hmm. screw it. It's an awesome movie. Instead of like you know looking at the video camera and watching old clips or looking at old Polaroids, his dead wife vibes are putting a cassette player into a stereo and listening to something, which it's different. It's it's the same cliche of the dead wife. <laughs> But it's just different enough to where I'm like, okay, they, they, they try, they try to go a different route. I gotta, I gotta give him some respect it's, for that. I, I just, it's just why, and you're, you're opening up this cliche that I didn't really know was a cliche up until mm-hmm. now. But yeah, there is in a lot of these movies about like guys in their late, late middle ages mm-hmm. who just go ham, who just go full fucking Rambo. Where it's a lot of like they look at like they they look at some piece of media that revolves around their deceased significant other. Like mm-hmm. it's always it's always it's always like it's always like oh they died and like this is their last video or they're looking at their Polaroids and this one happened to be a cassette tape. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing more romantic than um, a love mix that your wife left you on a cassette tape. <laughs> Hey, all I got. Hey, hey, Boner Jams Volume Two really just speaks to you, okay? Sometimes was, it just speaks to you. That was actually the name of the cassette that he put in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it doesn't say for Robin. It just says Boner Jams Volume Two. It's just I'm now never going to watch this movie the same again. <laughs> it's just it's just two hours of Crazy Frog. It's late '90s, early 2000s new metal. That's what it is. <laughs> I did it for the nookie. The nookie. <laughs> so we flash forward to night. Nick Cage, he, you know, stabs a knife, stabs this knife into this counter, puts the stereo on, and then, you know, goes to bed listening to it on repeat. There's a lot of subtlety throughout this opening scene that's easy to follow. And we, because of like good acting, good camera shots, clear audio, we're able to understand, like, okay, we are able to, as the audience, infer. This is what's going on here. And it's, you know, it's not trying to like beat us over the head or just, well, it'll just do like a, well, you should have known that's what was going on if you were paying attention. Praise <laughs> so this movie for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So the pig starts freaking out in the middle of the night and Cage wakes up. We get more subtlety here where we see this flashlight, like there's a window and then we see like a flashlight kind of go by the window like, really fast and subtle Mm -hmm. like if you noticed it but then nick cage gets fucking decked with a a shovel i think that's what it was yeah and it's like the shovel or the butt of a gun 
yeah, they they come in, rob his ass of his pig, and you know, hijinks ensue. I like hijinks ensue as if it's like a Looney Tunes movie. As <laughs> if the most, it's like wacky most, adventure. That's the most mild way to put this movie. You know, oh, it's just a bunch of hijinks, guys. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of goopy stuff. So a collapsed Nick Cage wakes up off of the ground, which I feel like is how most people find Nick Cage. He <laughs> tries to do the whistle that was done earlier, again, doing a callback to something that he did earlier in the movie, and it doesn't work as it doesn't work at all. You know, whereas before he whistled and the pig came, it was here where he whistled and then nothing happened, which that just kind of hits you a little bit, knowing that, oh, that's that was his only friend here in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So he tries to go into town. His truck stalls. Oh, shit. Now he's got to walk into town. And to be honest, if I saw like a rugged guy like Nick Cage is in this movie, just walking down the street, just I just drive right past him. Just don't don't fucking make eye contact to, to make matters fucking worse. Or just to really add to the fact that this man doesn't doesn't see civilization. He's walking down the middle of the street on like a rural road. Like as in as in where the median like speed is like 50. <laughs> and he's just walking down the middle of it like a crazed like yet yet bedraggled like homeless man just just wandering down. And it's just it's just wild. And I don't know what would be more terrifying seeing Nick Cage wandering down the road like rambling and screaming at the top of his lungs or just seeing him like this walking slowly and with intent just down the road. See that guy see, knows that guy's going to go fuck someone up. I was about to say the, see, I'm more scared of the quiet one because the quiet one will, the quiet one is, 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 is there's a lot of purpose mm-hmm. with his stride and his look. Whereas the crazy loud one, you're just like, Oh, okay. I, I understand the intentions there. They're not, they're not mincing their words with what they're interested in. That's mm-hmm. very clear what they want. But the one who's quiet, you're like, you're, you're, I don't know what you want. And that's very disturbing. <laughs> and much like any old Western, Nick Cage wanders into a bar and people just start looking at him because, you know, <laughs> who wouldn't? So they yeah. all turn and Cage asks, is Marge here? And the waitress with a, just a great line, Marge died 10 years ago. <laughs> It's, was, he, he the best part is is Nick Cage's response is just the most op, is the most like is is pretty much the only suitable response for anyone who has heard that and didn't who hears that and doesn't expect that, but also doesn't know how to follow up with it and they just and he just goes oh <laughs> like like damn all right man I feel that I feel that right there and he didn't get an invite to the funeral. Absolutely, that that jerk. <laughs> so Cage gets in contact with Grown Up Naked Brothers band, and he comes to his rescue. And this this guy Amir, he is like he kind of stole everything I was going to be saying about this movie. And he says like he says things like he comes and sees Nick Cage. He's like, dude, this just isn't my problem. <laughs> yeah, I was about like to a, say it sounds yeah. like a you problem. Like he literally sits there and goes like, goes like, I don't know why you're asking me. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> like he goes, just get a new pig. 
And Cage is just insistent. He's just like, no, you want your supplies. I need my pig. So much like an, they compromise and they go off to try to rescue Nick Cage's pig. And while they're in it and while they're in um, Naked Brothers Band's car, what what the fuck is he listening to? It's like some classical music, like how to shit. Yeah, it's 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 self-congratulatory commentary on classical music self-congratulatory in the sense where literally it's a man in a very sort of with a very regal sort of tone of voice Mm -hmm. talking about how classical music is just superior in many ways and it's just it's very confusing but what's 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 best is the vibe it gives off which i feel like the movie is trying to do Mm -hmm. which is like very big frat boy trying to sound educated vibes mm-hmm. with listening to that. Like he knows he wants to listen to Travis Scott, but he feels like he's too old for it. And he needs to have some, some level of three whole, whole roundedness, like a 360 degrees mm-hmm. sort of thing. So he like picks up this, like this, whatever the hell this is. He's like trying to fit into, you know, high class and high society with the restaurants that he's like supplying to. But he just doesn't really know how to do it. So to compensate, he just listens to these tapes, which I mean, yeah. why why the fuck would he need to do this when he's already in a fucking band? It's like you already made money. Why are you doing this? <laughs> You're on a oh Nickelodeon show in the late 2000s. You, you have it made, dude. They're, they're not Disney. I know they, sir. I know they did you right. OK, I know they did you right. Like, it's you and Lizzie McGuire, okay? Everyone else came out really weird. Josh Peck's okay. That is true. That is true. Okay, it's him, Lizzie McGuire, and Josh Peck. Everyone else, dear God, help their souls. <laughs> so, Cage and Amir, they go to this, like, truffle site where they're finding them. And to go look for this pig, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. You know, you're getting a behind-the-scenes look as to what's going on, you know, in his world. And they're saying like, oh, we're looking for some poachers and they get led to the poachers. And I mean, I didn't know what truffle poachers looked like, but I mean, if you told me they looked like meth addicts, I'd I'd believe you. I was about to say, I don't know. I I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know what I thought, like the world of truffle hunting would look like at a real, like raw materials gathering level but but meth heads i don't know why but meth heads both do and do not fit the bill at the exact same time like you're like bunch of meth heads poaching like truffles that both fits and does not fit that feels like a both a meth head thing to say and do and also like not so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean the cult the culprits just have like the natural response of like man we gave it to somebody in downtown i I don't know what their name is i i ain't seen shit so no well you know amir's like all right well that's been fun i'm gonna head out and cage is like nope you're taking me in you're taking me into portland and you know of course they have you know a little dispute but eventually cage and amir go to portland and seeing nick cage the way that he is there's something about this like seeing him in this environment that just doesn't feel right. Yeah, the movie does a really, really, really fantastic job of really hammering home the idea that Nick Cage does not belong in Portland, much Mm -hmm. like you. 
you've been oh, dragged the fuck. Really, really, really. I feel like I would do very well in Portland. I would go oh, yeah. there and, you know, go hiking. And then afterwards, we can talk about IPAs and maybe uh, uh, and, 90s, and 90s rock. Go up to yeah. Seattle for a weekend, listen to grunge music. I'd exactly. fit in great in Portland. Go to some yeah, track you know- races. <laughs> Mm-hmm, exactly you know you know you know an unsettling amount about granola and everything <laughs> i like i like to use the word unsettling like there's like a, okay you know he's hey he's got a good knowledge of <laughs> granola but then he's like no he's got an unsettling there's a precipice for how there's a pinnacle for how much you should know about granola going past that and you're just like okay why do you know this much <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gathering myself. <laughs> you gonna go eat some granola? You gonna go? You gonna go calm down? Yes, I am. I'm gonna go eat a Cliff Bar, and then I'm gonna go out on a trail run. It's okay. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll go hang out with Nick Cage in the woods. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gonna go drink from a wa- from a stream. And I think part of like what makes Nick Cage stick out so much here is like he's still like all cut up. From getting in this like, you know, getting assaulted that, you know, a couple of nights before. And it's just like, you know, him covered in blood walking down the streets of a city. And like there are certain cities like, you know, where you see that shit and you're like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. But like, I feel like if you saw it in Portland, Oregon, you'd be like, what, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like if he was walking down like the st- street of like Detroit, like everyone would be like, that's it. That fits. That fits. Versus like Portland, everyone would be like, "Oh, whoa, whoa, what's going on, buddy?" I mean, it's just like it's just like he looks like a caveman just brought to modern times. Exactly. Like he looks like uh, what is it, Encino Man or whatever, the Brendan Fraser movie. So they're trying to like they're doing like a great job of like world building by Nick Cage saying like, "Oh yeah, you know he needs money, so he goes to buy some food for this random guy," and Cage asks about his pig. I remember like one line that stuck. I was like, I remember when your name had value and I'm like, oh, oh, so, so he has, so he has power here. Mm-hmm. And the other guy's like, yo, you don't exist like this. This makes you think, and this movie is doing a great job of doing subtle world building like this. that makes you kind of like put the dots together on your own. Yeah. That's, that's what I do. That's one, that's one hallmark of this movie that I'm like, it's so refreshing. Mm-hmm after all of the crap that we've sifted through to get this where the movie it's obviously leading you down a path but the thing is it doesn't tell you what to think it lets you put the pieces together yourself mm-hmm. that's it's so nice that a movie doesn't stuff it down your throat as to what's going on mm-hmm. it just lets you come up with the conclusion yourself mm-hmm. so it's it's just a little tidbit that i wanted to put in yeah it, it's it i cannot say enough good things just about this movie so again they're talking to the chef they we get some world building here we get the classic line of this movie that nick cage says i don't fuck my pig and just he says that so nonchalantly <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is that is very t- <laughs> like, that was like, one of those things like Amir was saying, like, you know, you're just some homeless asshole who probably fucks his pig. And I know you and I were both thinking that while watching this movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know what? It's, it's just, you know what? It's one of those things where you're like, you know what? You get, you're like, yeah, that was me. That was me. Sorry about that. I definitely <laughs> thought that. 
I know that's I know that's wrong now, but like you sit there and you're just sitting there going like, did you have the thought at least once in going through your mind if you're just like if you know Nick Cage movies where you're just like, did he get busy with the pig? I don't want to think that. Did he pull but a, it's a black, Nick Cage movie? Did he pull a Black Mirror episode one season one? Oh, did mm. he pull a David Cameron? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Who spicy political takes on the mess of midnight spicy political takes <laughs> moving on from whatever the fuck this is <laughs> i think it was like around this time where like amir's just like what like what's going on what did i get myself into it's here where i realized the actual synopsis of this film nick cage kidnaps one of the kids from the naked brothers band to go on to the, go to the pacific northwest on redneck Adve- adventures to find this pig it's like it's like Duck Dynasty, but with a child Nickelodeon star. <laughs> and I feel like a significant, like not no facial hair, but like a significantly less amount of facial hair. Was, that is true. That is true. None of these guys look like they. No, no one in Pig looks like they could be stand-ins for one of like the members of ZZ Top. So there's a, definitely a significantly small amount of facial hair. But you know what? Some of these people do look like. Extras in Fight Club, because as soon as we go into this next scene, they go like un- literally underground into this fight club where Cage just intrudes on Project Mayhem, where apparently he used to be Tyler Durden. By the way, everybody there is looking at him. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> dear listeners, uh. They do lead in as to why they're going here and Mm. the fact that why this place even exists. Because the conversation between Amir and Nick Cage are going like, oh, there's this place where all of like the all of the cool bitches go to hang out and they go to this fight club. And it it, you Max couldn't have said it better myself. This shit looks like it literally looks like fucking Tyler Durden's hangout. (laughs) Like Tyler Durden just went to culinary school and then just Started up this thing in Oregon. I was about to say, if if Tyler Durden starred in Chef by John Favreau, that would be that would. This is where he would end up. This is where he would end up. He would first make the meanest cubano you've ever had, and then he would just just drop off the face of the planet in the Pacific Northwest, (laughs) and just go cause insanity. I was about to say, he's not blowing he's not blowing up buildings anymore. He's blowing up the culinary world. <laughs> Honestly, like I feel I feel like I feel like Tyler Durden cooks like a pretty mean ribeye. I feel I feel like he's like I a steak it. man. He's he's one of those people who probably does new fresh takes with like existing cheap ingredients. Mm-hmm. You know those like make make fancy things where it's like a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A or whatever. Like like a like a meal prep bro that just like really knows how to cook and makes you enjoy it. Yeah, like it's still gonna be like it's still gonna be a bro a bro workout meal of of chicken thigh, rice, and broccoli. But he's gonna make it in a certain way where you're like, God damn, this is pretty good. <laughs> so some like regional manager of a Wendy's type. So first off, Nick Cage comes up. And he's like, the people are like dropping money, dropping money. There's like a timer. Again, subtle setups here. So some regional manager of a Wendy's comes out and they start, they hit the timer and he just starts just punching him in the face just over and over and over again. And I mean, he, he just like takes it. 
And then the timer goes off and they're like, okay, well, what do you want? And he's like, so I'm just, I'm just looking for my pig. Got like a cage esque line, but a lot more rugged. Yeah. It's, it's less, it's less ridiculous and more just like, just, just very, just disgruntled. So it's not just like some big thing that he yells or mm-hmm. like freaks out and says, but it's a Nick Cagey line that he just like drops very mm-hmm. subtly. And you're like, you're like, God damn, if that isn't like the the best way I've heard a Nick Cage line get dropped. Because you could hear Nick Cage saying this line and he was saying, I want to find my fucking pig. <laughs> Exactly. Like I could uh, in between in between him saying not the bees and like you do the hokey pokey. Like I could hear him saying, I just want to find my damn pig. But like instead, he's just like the way he delivers it. You're just like, oh, this is really nice. I feel like, yes. So Amir takes him back to his apartment and then we get I forgot to mention earlier. This movie is divided up into parts. So like mm-hmm. I think part one. Was, it's like mushroom tart or tart it, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's like it's like different dishes. Yeah, exactly. Like a three course meal. Honestly, yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't even think about that while I was yeah. It's set up it's set up like a three course meal. Yeah, and it really like it really breaks things up in a nice way. We're like, okay, you know, this is like where like you know, first act, second act, third act, and part two begins. Mom's French toast and deconstructed scallops. Also, that sounds delicious. I'll take it. I love I was about to say, toast. man. I don't know what deconstructed scallops tastes like, but that sounds fire. So Cage wakes up to a fire alarm. For a guy that's working in the culinary world, my man Amir can't even really cook French toast. Yeah, exactly. Like... The- he he fails the basic parts of French toast, which I think is kind of funny. And also definitely the movie was like, I don't know. Again, this is the one part where like your movie inner movie buff really comes out and you start like piecing together shit that may not even be there or like the director really laid deep in the weeds or something mm-hmm. like that. Because I see that now or I hear about that scene and I'm just like, oh, yeah, maybe it's the like he's not actually cut out for the culinary world, but he's like trying to play the part and pretend like he is. But underneath the thin veneer of like put togetherness, it's really obvious that he's out of his element or whatever. Some sometimes guys, the curtain, like the curtains are blue and you're trying to find a meeting. Sometimes the curtains are are just blue. blue. They're they're just symbolizing. They're just blue. (laughs) Absolutely. It's just, I'm telling you, man, it's I'm like I, I dig this movie and this movie made me dig a lot more than I thought I thought it would. So Amir is talking him and Nick Cage get into a deep conversation and Amir starts talking about his mom and dad and, you know, how one of the happiest moments that he saw his parents were when after they were done eating at Nick Cage's old restaurant. But then the mom tried to kill herself. And he's like, you know, Amir's like, you know. When he's talking about his mom and dad, I don't know. There was something about this where it just was acted so well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm this movie's just awesome. Like, it's probably just like all the schlock we've seen, but the movie's just it's it's good. Yeah, I, I yeah, I feel like I feel like a portion of our like gushing over this is also due to the fact that we have just subjected ourselves to just 
visual horrors with the exception of Nacho Libre. Yes. Um, yes. And, and like, and like now is like, just because we're getting a modicum of something decent that we're like, we're just loose in our gourd over it. But honestly, it was just really powerful and really interesting. All of the characters. I don't think there was, I don't think there was any person who was a real show stealer. I think everyone did a great job throughout yeah. it. And much like the chef that he is, Nick Cage just absolutely roasts Amir's cooking. He's like, you know, you shouldn't use stale bread for French toast. And no, you should. He said, no, you should. He said you okay, you should. There we go. My mistake. And it's again, it's just it's just a well acted scene. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just see, there's see, it's so hard to sit there and just riff off of this kid making like French toast or whatever, just because it's just we're trying, guys. We're trying. Just this whole this whole movie is just good. It's just good. <laughs> so they're trying to schedule like reservations at this really nice restaurant in town so they decide to like split up and go different directions amir goes to talk to this one butcher and he's like dude come on man like help me out and he's like and the butcher just continues to say no no I, I can't get you reservations there but then amir says like you know oh my friend is rob feld and I really wanted him to say, dude, my friend is Nick Cage. <laughs> He's not like, sold. The guy was like, I don't even care. Sold. Go for it. <laughs> and meanwhile, while this is going on, Cage wanders through suburbia and stalks the residents of a small local home. <laughs> Yeah, no, he just wanders on to some kid playing the handpan and he's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he just wanders up to like this old kid like these are the scenes that could have been like overacted and overdone but this but because this movie is executed well they decide to reel it back a little bit and he just has this just really nice scene where he just sits and you know plays the drums and i really kind of want to see the like what the mom would have thought if she saw her kid talking to homeless nick cage and just be like billy get inside right now <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There are so many opportunities for this scene to just get fucked up and for it to get turned into like a proper Nick Cage movie. But it but but it's just the director at every point just had the best restraint ever. Mm -hmm. And as a result of it, it's just this really great scene that's really nice and quiet and comfy. It's just so good. It's so cool. So after they're done splitting up, they all go to this fancy restaurant. Now, we start off on this woman, like a close-up on her face, talking about the, the food that they're serving. It's like, we're serving like uh, some type of scallops with uh, truffle seeds and whatever. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't fucking know. Um, it's fancy shit. It's fancy shit. That's what she's saying. And it just it just reeks of pre the pretentiousness that this you know movie's trying to get across. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which and why the fuck aren't these people staring when Nick Cage is at like the nice Michelin star restaurant, all bloodied up, beaten up, like no one's no one's turning around just being like, dude, what what, what what's going on, man? Like, are you okay? There's maybe like one person here, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. That's like. Showing a modicum of concern. Yeah, it's that is that is that is also a really that's the one part where like that's the one scene I think that I can really point out something 
that in my mind I was like, really? Everyone's cool with this? Mm-hmm. Like, because Nick Cage during this whole thing, he does not any wounds that is inflicted upon Nick Cage are not tr- are not treated or dealt with. Mm-hmm. Which I mean makes sense because there are there are no scenes where he goes to get them treated. So actually, I respect that. Mm-hmm. But the problem that we run into is whenever Nick Cage is in a social situation, especially in one like this, where they are at a really fine dining restaurant, like this Mm -hmm. is a hard to get to restaurant, apparently. He just wears the same clothes that he wore in the woods with the same amount of blood on him as before. And there's not a speckle, not a person, not a peep of like, are you okay? Why do you look like you fell out of a sewer? <laughs> Who is this man? It's it's all very like put together and like very everyone's like just doing their own thing, which I yep. thought was kind of funny, a little weird, but like ultimately like you could look past it. Yeah, and Cage even like says like can I like after trying the food he says can I please speak to the chef? And Amir is just like dude, just can we just please keep a low profile? And I'm like, do you know who is sitting across from you? That is the opposite of low profile, except for maybe this movie. I was about to say, I was like, this is the lowest profile I've ever, ever seen Nick Cage. Even in Nick Cage's best movies, like Moonstruck and Raising Arizona, the man is anything but subtle. <laughs> so, of course, the chef comes out and, you know, Cage is like, I'm looking for my truffle pig. And he he very is like so close to pulling the do you know who I am card? Because it's never like mm-hmm. said like specifically what Cage did. Well, you know, you know he was a chef, but you didn't know specifically, you know, how well he was renowned or what he did, you know, in terms of like mm-hmm. affecting the Portland culinary scene. But then the chef yeah. looks at him and is like, oh, my God. Oh, my. How are you? He's like, like an old friend. And like he's asking the questions that we've been wanting to ask. Like, do you need medical attention? And Cage is like, no. And he just starts verbally tearing apart this poor guy this i was about to say this like nick cage does what i like what i sit there and i i just as as someone who does like to lightly roast their friends or loves to loves to give their oh jeez really i never noticed (laughs) shut up shut up shut up homeless not nick cage As uh, like as someone who's like who like loves to do that, it's so. This dude does it. This dude really like does the thing that only like people who really hate the other person do, which is roast the other person, but in a really accurate and cutting fashion, and not hold back at all. Because you just watch Nick Cage sit there and find this person's self portion of self consciousness and just pick at it and tear it away till this dude is literally left to be a laughing blubbering mess and it is just it is the most ice cold shit i have seen in a while and i watched and i have watched many martial arts movies since we last like left off nick cage month (laughs) i think one of the lines that like sticks to me the most is the way that nick cage asks about the food like what is the concept here I'm like, what? Oh. oh, 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 this is like, oh, this is like, hey, like, what what are you doing? with? Like, it's like, what are you doing with your life? Like, yeah, you're fucking it up. <laughs> yeah, he literally sits there and just says, just says he literally like, I remember one thing he goes, what was your dream? And the guy goes, 
well, I'm running this really interesting. He goes, no, 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 no. You had a dream and it wasn't this. What was it? And the guy like, like a fucking robot who just heard a command just sits there and spews out everything he wanted and starts crying. And Nick Cage goes, and you're not doing it. So you're just doing this. And you're just like, you're just watching this whole scene just going like, oh my God. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Leave this poor man alone. <laughs> and it is because of this just mental manipulation and mental gymnastics that Nick Cage does where it's revealed that Amir's dad is behind the stealing of the pig. Mm-hmm. So this is this is the one part that I mentioned earlier where Nick Cage goes full-blown, just Nick Cage, where he starts screaming and kicking at Amir's car, and you know, Amir didn't know about it, so they get into an argument. Cage just nopes away, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's... Um, pretty intense yeah it's it is it's see it's not the nick cage see for a split second initially nick cage goes full nick cage moment and you're like ah there's our there's our boy and then but like after a while the weight of the whole thing just really sets in and you're like oh this is oh this is like our actual nick cage moment oh oh god what and we get another nick cage moment in this movie where this is the second time we've talked about this situation in this month. It's where Nick Cage, he he's I think he steals, he steals someone's bike and then just mm-hmm. bikes off and screams yeah. at a stranger. I'm like, oh yeah, now we're getting it. Yeah, exactly. He, <laughs> it's, it's a wicker it, man it, on him. Yeah, I was about to say, literally, literally, yeah, Nick Cage really channeled Wicker Man when he was like doing this because he straight up just jacks this kid's bike and just starts shouting as he's like going down the street. And I'm like, hell yeah, hell yeah, our boy's back in full swing. So they split up again. Amir goes to the hospital. And at first I thought like his mother had like died, but it actually just turns out that she is in a coma and is on life support. Mm hmm. And, you know, I, I, it really had an impact here. I don't, I didn't understand at the time while watching it, like why they didn't just say, oh, she's in a coma. But I really like think, thinking back, it really feels that the weight of that moment of finding out like, oh no, she's alive, but turns out she's being kept on life support by his dad. I'm like, okay, now, now we're peeling back the layers here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just subtly just leaving like hints and just letting you just piece together the whole story, which, God, I just can't stress enough how much I love that the movie isn't fucking handholding you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so nice. It's so nice. This is the anti-Bucky Larson of this podcast. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> this is the opposite of fucking Bucky Larson. That travesty. <laughs> so Cage goes to talk to Amir's dad, who is like straight up roasting his son, but saying things like, you know, yeah, he's just. He's just not cut out for the business. You know, my son is just, and he goes on and on and on. Cage is just like, Hey, I, I just want my pig back. Like who would have thought like a, a movie about a guy looking for his pig would go in this direction. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, we're like, and cage even asks like the hard questions of saying like, were you always like this after she died? And Amir's dad says, were you? And I'm like, 
Oh, oh man, I I love this. Oh. And the like, and they just and they just sit in silence for a quick moment. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Just this whole time, the whole time I I was seeing this moment, this exchange between the two of them is so so good. Every mm-hmm. moment the two of them are exchanging words is just so intense. And it doesn't even need to be them shouting at each other or like hurling insults. It is literally just them speaking to one another. And you could just cut the tension with a knife. And it Mm -hmm. is just so odd. So good. It's just so good. So Cage leaves this interaction. And Amir is actually waiting for them because, you know, they had their separate experiences. So now they're coming back together. And when he's talking with Amir, he's just like, you know, I don't actually need my pig to find the truffles. I just use the trees and Amir saying what we're all thinking. Then why the fuck did we do all of this? <laughs> yeah, no, he definitely drops that. And you're just like, you're like, okay, you're like, you're like the movie has not done me wrong so far, mm-hmm. but I do need the movie to explain itself. <laughs> and, and it gets to like, you know, the whole emotional thing of, you know, cage, he just, you know, just, loved the pig like that was like one of the things that reminded him of his wife mm-hmm. and you know yeah. somebody who just needs to get this man a friend like yeah i was about to say like like this, this is all just this is all just we're nick cage's character and needs a friend i'm just like dude can you just like i don't know can i mean can you just be his drinking buddy and just let him like unload you for like an hour i was about to say just let him just let him drop some shit and then you go hey man I'm here for you. And that's it. Just like, cause like Lord knows the man needs it. Cause like, God damn. Nick Cage and Amir are just sitting at the bar and Cage is going on and on and on. And Amir's just like, you know, like 27 yups, 17. Damn. That's crazy. And he's like that deep in. He's like, Oh God, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. I was about to say he's on his 30th. I hear you, man. I hear you. (laughs) So we get part three, a bird, a bottle, and a salted baguette. So they have this like long list of things that they need to go out and get. So they go on this like scavenger hunt for ingredients. Mm -hmm. And we get the name of Nick Cage's old wife, Laurie. Um, The woman that I think Amir goes to talk to this one woman in the grave. I think it's, I think it is a graveyard. Yeah, it's yeah. like a graveyard or something like it's that. Like a graveyard, like where, like held in a mausoleum containing Lori's ashes. Yep, so it's a graveyard, and collecting some like personal items. So she goes and Laurie, and the woman that's there says, "You're like, oh, you know, I saved a spot for him." You know, talking about Nick Cage, and I'm like, "Woman, calm down. Nick Cage is never gonna die. Like, that's, oh. that's just you, you just you're better <laughs> Look, off giving that spot to someone Look, else." Betty Betty White lied to us. <laughs> So why do you have to put this fear in us? You will live forever, okay? <laughs> so after after Amir goes to get this from the from the cemetery, Nick Cage goes to get a baguette from his old baker, and they have a conversation. Cage gets this bread, and more praise for this. The shot in this scene, it is one of those things where it's a long shot where you see like the two of the people, it's like kind of in the corner and they're just having this conversation and there's something about this conversation. It's like the audio, the shot, 
the audio is crisp it's rugged what they're saying like gets you hooked this is a fine example of a movie that does a long shot well because i've seen a lot of movies do bad long shots typically student films when they're trying to imitate quentin mm-hmm. tarantino and it oh does like this is, this is an example of of when it's done well yeah as I was about to say, I couldn't have said it better myself. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, this is a masterclass in how to do a long sitting scene that keeps you hooked the entire way. Like, it doesn't sit there and just make it. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't mm-hmm. give you a bunch of needless BS. Like, it only is giving you what's necessary mm-hmm. and really holding you to it the entire time. Like, there are so many of these motherfuckers who just sat there and just saw Reservoir Dogs or mm-hmm. like Jackie Brown or pick your Quentin Tarantino movie and just go, and that's how you do it, huh? But then, and then just they don't do it fall. well. They don't do it well. It's just yeah. like, they, they're like, hey, I'm going to do that. And then they try to do that and they fail because no one's Quentin mm-hmm. Tarantino, but Quentin Tarantino. But this, yeah, I, yeah, but I couldn't say it better myself. Like this is, this is how you do a long scene. So after they get all of the ingredients, Nick Cage and Amir, they go back to Amir's house and he's showing them how to cook or whatever the hell it is that they're doing. I mean, you could switch some things around here and I would think like, oh, this is like a Hallmark movie about a man finding love in the kitchen. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> How how Nick Cage got his groove back? <laughs> I'd watch that movie. I I was about to say, go to hell, Stella. I'm here for Nick Cage. So Amir goes to talk to his dad. He's like, "Oh, I I made dinner," and they go and sit down at this table. And Amir's dad knows like the argument that him and Nick Cage had earlier about the pig, and why. <laughs> Would you trust this man to make you dinner? I was I was like halfway expecting Nick Cage to just straight up poison him. That was see, okay, I'd Yes. Me and my me and my roommate also were making that joke to each other as we were watching it. Because we were watching just like just the guy eat it and we're sitting there going like, is this movie like wouldn't it be funny? Or no, it'd be more tragic than anything else. But we mm. were but we said, wouldn't it be funny? If Nick Cage had just poisoned the whole thing and it was just like kicks off into like a classic Nick Cage movie that like he poisoned the entire meal. Like the last 30 minutes of this movie is just Nick Cage just going full, just full blown Nick Cage. Absolutely. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Yeah. So like instead of taking the 25,000 that they were talking about earlier, Cage is like, I just want my pig. So they're trying to use this meal to kind of you know, spark a memory, you know, thinking back mm-hmm. to, you know, when Amir's dad and mom were together and she didn't kill her and, you know, she was still with us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's literally sitting there and just playing. He's he is the, the he is quite literally like mental manipulation. John Wick, mm-hmm. he doesn't fight, beat people up. He just sits there and mentally breaks them down, which is just arguably more hardcore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like anyone can train hard enough to stab someone really well. Obviously, it takes many years, but like 
man, he is just, oh, wow. The fact that he sits there and makes a meal from memory that perfectly tears down a man is just, that is so impressive. So impressive. Dude, I wish I wish I could cook that well to where like the food that I made people just made them just cry and just start just weeping. Like, I just miss her so much. <laughs> you're like, you're like, oh, calm down, man. I just made some gazpacho. <laughs> you're just like, bro, I, I just sla- I just slapped these on the grill, man. Like, I don't know what you want I, to like, do. I just love the idea that you like grill up some asparagus and a hamburger and just some guy starts crying. And he's like, he's like, I just don't get it. What did I do wrong? And you're like, oh, I just made hamburgers. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I, I got sweet potato fries in the back. Do you need those? And you're just in there, just like, that was her favorite vegetable. Uh, you're like, oh, I got parsnips. Did she, how did she feel about parsnips? <laughs> that's going to be the new series that we started. It's just like, we cook for people and they just start crying. And we have to deal with that. Exactly. It's just it's like Nathan for you, but nothing gets solved. There's just there's just, it's just trauma is brought up. So in this scene, it's revealed that the junkies from that we met earlier killed the pig. And it's here where like we get those like we get more Nick Cage-isms, but it's like emotional Nick Cage-isms where it's like mm-hmm. His intense and, you know, over the top, like he's falling on the floor, screaming. Like, even this is, like, making you tear up. Like, it's it's getting you. You're like, damn. Because this movie did a very good job of making you care about this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's, not, it's not a Nick Cage emotional moment that makes you laugh or makes you sit there and just go, like, oh, my, oh, brother. Mm-hmm. Like... You are quite literally sitting there listening to this and just like watching this whole thing. And you're like, wow, this is a broken man. You're, you're like, it, it's just you're seeing someone at their lowest point And you have been rooting for this guy to just get get the one thing he cares about back in his life. Mm-hmm. And you just see it ripped away. And it just it really hurts. Like it genuinely tugs at you. It feels which so is weird. really important. It feels so weird to be talking about like these deep, heavy, emotional moments on messed up at midnight. <laughs> I was like, I was about to say, we're the same people that just fucking started cracking jokes about the fucking hokey pokey as this man was destroying a pool table. And yet we are here talking about some really powerful moments about like loss, loss and grief and all of these heavy and like. Who would have thought this podcast would go in that direction? But guys, don't you worry. Absolutely. We're going to get back to the fun stuff after this. We just need to exactly. we need to cleanse our senses with a good movie. I was about to say is like nothing, 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 nothing would better cap off Nick Cage month than just than just just something that proves that Nick Cage can do good. Mm-hmm. He can do fantastic movies, and that he's mm-hmm. not just some has been Steven Seagal type who just like does whatever to just pay bills. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. So Cage and Amir go back to the restaurant from the beginning where Nick Cage went in and asked about Marge and she was dead for 10 years. 
So they sit down, they have this heart to heart discussion. And again, another nice scene and leaving cage says that, you know, he'll walk back to the mountains, but then he says, I'll see you Thursday. And it looks like they're back to being partners again, which it, it it's nice. I'm I'm allowed to yeah. say that, you know, some, sometimes things can just be nice. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of the, you hear that and it's very just relieving that mm-hmm. you're just like, ah, oh, this is, this is good. This is good. Yeah. It's like, it's like he's moving back to like, he's getting, he's getting back into, he's moving on from this trauma of losing his wife and losing his mm-hmm. pig. Like he's, he's moving past that and just kind of being like, okay, he's ready to, he's hit the acceptance point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's, he's, it's, it's literally like the five stages of grief mm-hmm. where it's anger, denial, depression. And now he's at the acceptance portion where he's just like, yeah, that happened. And he's just like back to his life, back to truffle hunting, all of that stuff. And, you know, to complete his hero's journey, he goes back to the river from the beginning and finally washes the blood off of his face that has oh, been there this God. whole fucking time. And I was like, yes, thank God. I was about to say, this is like, this is it's same energy as the he climbed through a river of shit to come out clean from mm. Shawshank Redemption. The man went through hell and he looked like it only to come back, wash himself clean and start anew. And it's mm-hmm. just it's just so poetic and great it's just mm-hmm. so nice and so cool and cage goes back to his cabin and he finally we finally hear the full love mix that he was listening to earlier you know we get the audio dead wife vibes and he listens to a bruce springsteen song i'm on fire and i'm like okay i mean i would have chosen a different song but you know to each their own I I mean, falling away by corn isn't uh, wasn't on the mix yet, so I don't know what what you wanted. Dude, I would have listened to Freak on a Leash, man. Like, <laughs> I've been feeling like a freak on a leash. And Mike's gonna do the whole song right now. I'm gonna do the whole corn discography. Uh, is, we get enough. Is, if we ever do a Patreon, that's going to be a Patreon goal. I'm going to do the whole Corn <laughs> debut album acapella. <laughs> Only me. Only you. Okay, guys, share this podcast. Share, please, for the love of God, tell your friends about this. I want to see Mike do the whole first, like what, did you say the whole discography or the first debut, album? Debut the, de- album. the whole debut album. I want to hear that, guys. You need to go out there and share this podcast because you're going to like this. This is going to be great. It's going to be good. It's it's the thing no one asked for and no one wanted. Keep an eye out for that one, guys. Mm-hmm. And um, and apart from I didn't know this, I, you know, I need to go back and I need to double check. But I was checking IMDb before we were watching. And one of the things under trivia was if you listen closely again per IMDb, Apparently, after the song is done playing, you hear nature sounds, someone digging, and the sound of a pig. I'm like, oh, does that mean Nick Cage gets another pig? Like, gets another companion. Yeah, just get just gets another friend. And you know what? I'm going to I'm going to choose to believe that I really am. Exactly. Yeah, that's 
And guys, that's the movie. This is this was such a breath of fresh air from what we've normally covered. Um, yeah, I go. Please go. <laughs> like, if you made it this far, you've obviously gone to go see it. If you haven't, what is wrong with you? You missed out on a really good movie, guys. Please, for the love of God, go check yeah. out Pig. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about to say. If there are any of you who are who are listening who still haven't gone to see pig or are still on the fence about it. I don't think either one of us can recommend it enough. It's a really powerful movie. It's not your classic Nick cage movie. Like it's, it's genuinely something that's cool and something that's really moving. And I can't, can't recommend it enough. So I feel like with what we've done with Nick cage month, we've kind of hit, you know, the classic movies, the more mainstream movies, the schlocky and now the good. So I really feel like exactly. It's come full we've, circle. Yeah, we've covered we've covered a lot of poor a lot of Nick Cage's like a lot of Nick Cage's career circa two from from post uh from post uh post twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, everything from like two thousand forward, we covered Nick Cage's career from that point on. Now, granted, there there is so much more Nick guys, Cage listen, we can cover. We have barely scratched the surface. We're going to do this again, and I oh, am yeah. so like we didn't talk about a lot of movies, which, you know, mm-hmm. deserve their own episode. But absolutely, you know, that's Nick Cage, guys. That's that's yeah, that's Nick Cage. That's Nick Cage. It's it's good that we ended on proof that Nick Cage is a fantastic actor. Yeah. It, and that for all of the shit he did. Like for all, not all the shit, not like he did for all of the shit movies that he was in. Mm -hmm. He, the man still can act his ass off. He really, he just, like I said, when I was making my drink or when I was talking about it earlier, he is an enigma. And whenever, (laughs) whenever you see Nick Cage in a movie, whenever I see Nick Cage in a movie, I'm immediately just like, let's do this. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, what 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 am I getting myself into this time? I was about to say it's. I'm always excited for a Nick Cage movie. I'm always excited, and it's either for the wrong reason or for the right reason. <laughs> but no matter what, I'm happy to go see one. I'm always happy to go see Nick Cage, and I'm always happy when I come out of a Nick Cage movie. All right, guys. Well, that does it for <laughs> this episode of Messed Up at Midnight, and that does it for Nick Cage Month, guys. It's yeah. it's been awesome, and we exactly we'll see you next week. All right, see you guys next week.